When you're alive, life can be fun. Go to the forest where the shadows do run. They're coming soon. They can hear you. of 31 Nights of Halloween. Yay, it's finally Happy Halloween time. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween! Oh my god, I'm so freaking excited. What's everybody doing? What are you dressing up as? Tell us all the things. If your kids do not like Reese's Pumpkins, send them my way, please. Only Reese's Pumpkins, though. I'm very picky. Send me all the Tootsie Rolls. Oh, fucking look. Big ones, though. Like, I'm picky. Like the, Oh, okay. I like, see. you know, I mean, a girl's got to have her knees met. Like <laughs> no, but like the little bitty ones that you get year-round in the bags, boring. I want either the logs mm-hmm. or the long, skinny ones. Yeah. I can even do with the real, real fat ones that are the little ones. But those little skinny things, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. I burn more calories up in that damn wrapper than send the Tootsie Roll. Damn. Because today is Halloween... We had to cover the case that shut Halloween down in a Pennsylvania town. Oh, and you rhymed. Did I? You did. Okay, I did it on purpose. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Picture it. Old City, Pennsylvania. Oh, Lord. And for those of you who do not speak Southern, uh, oil. Oil City. Yes, Oil City. I can't help it. It's it's just who I am. I say oil. I say full. I say oil. Do you really say full? Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm just like quickly like, hey, can you give me the tin foil? I'll say full. But if I'm like the aluminum foil, I always say foil. Okay, who says aluminum foil? I don't know. But if I say tin foil, I'm saying tin foil. That is so freaking funny. Like F O I L, tin foil. <laughs> I've got to put some oil in my car. I can't help it. It's who I am. I it's, mean, hey, it's endearing. It just is, is it though? It's just who I am. <laughs> okay. Oil City, Pennsylvania, October 27th, 1992. Shauna Howe was an 11-year-old girl who was living her best life. She loved Halloween, and she was super, super excited about this year's Halloween. She lived with her mom, dad, an older brother, and a younger sister. But her family was struggling financially, and they couldn't afford new Halloween costumes that year. So Shauna channeled her inner Molly Ringwald and decided to make her own costume. She's flipping through her closet and she finds this old but very cute turquoise and black gymnastics leotard. So she's like, this is perfect. I can just wear this. Even though it wasn't Halloween, it was, you know, again, October 27th, Shauna had big plans. She went to school that day and when she got out of school, she had an after school party with her Girl Scout troop, where she got to wear a costume and do all the things. After the Girl Scout party, she went to the local nursing home because she was in this choir that would go to the nursing home every so often and sing for the residents. Which, did you ever do that when you were a kid? 
I don't think so. I We totally did. And I remember going to the one where my grandfather was. And so it was like so cool that I got to be like, this is my grandfather. You know, like, because nobody had ever gotten to meet him because he was in the nursing home. Because he had had a stroke and we just, my grandma just couldn't take care of him. Yeah. Shauna was a busy bee that day. After the nursing home sing-along, she had another party to go to at her local church. And this church was not that far from her house. Something said like a few blocks. Something said about half a mile. I don't really know miles and blockage, but it wasn't that far. Well, you know blockage, just not in street terms. Yeah, I know it in your freaking lungs with your blood clot. Well, I was talking about your sewage or whatever. Flood in my house. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, don't bring up the past, Carrie. <laughs> oh, okay. Says the girl bringing up two weeks ago. <laughs> Even though the church was really close to her house, Shauna was terrified of the dark and did not want to walk home alone. Her mom knew that she was scared to walk alone and was like, she's only 11. I don't really want her walking alone either. You know, at night after a party even though it was supposed to end at about 7 or 8. So her mom told her, wait for somebody after the church party. They'll come pick you up and bring you home for me. Because her mom would be at work and couldn't go pick her up. So that day came. She went to school. She went to the Girl Scout party. She went to the nursing home party. And she went to the church party. When it's time for Shauna to be home, her mom, Lucy, calls her stepdad, John, and she's like, hey, did um, Shauna make it home yet? And he's like, mm, nope, Shauna's not here. And Lucy's stomach drops. Fuck, she forgot to get someone to pick her up. Oh my goodness. So in her mind, Lucy's like, okay, don't panic. John, her stepdad, Waits at home just to make sure that Shauna didn't walk home. Because it would have been, if she did walk home, it would have still been a little bit early. But it was starting to get later and later. And the party should have been long over. So he hops in the car and he's thinking, okay, I'm going to find Shauna walking home. Like, I'm going to see her on the sidewalk walking home. Because I just, I have to kind of thing, you know. So he gets in the car. He takes the most common route that Shauna would take to walk home. And he doesn't see her. So he goes on to the church, and Shauna isn't there, and neither is anyone else. Clearly, the party had been over for some time at this point. So John's like, okay, she's not, you know, on this main drag. She's not at the church. Let me go down some of these side streets. So he goes through all these side streets, these back alleys, none of the places that Shauna would have ever chosen to walk home. But to cover their bases, let's check them all. Maybe she got lost or, you know, something like that. So he takes all these different routes just to make sure. And at about 9 o'clock, he gets home and Shauna's still not there. Her mom's like, okay, I'm about to leave work. I'm gonna, I'm coming home. But first, she called Shauna's dad, her biological dad. And is like, hey, you know, you hadn't heard from Shauna. Think about it. If you were sitting at a church and your mom and your stepdad didn't come pick you up, stands to reason she would call her biological father. And he's like, mm, no, I haven't heard from her. So Lucy heads home from work at about 10 o'clock. When she gets home, she calls one of Shauna's best friends from Girl Scouts, Joey. Joey says, yeah, she was at the party. We hung out the whole time. You know, we walked home together when she realized that she didn't have a ride. And when they got to the point where they would have to split off from one another, 
Shauna was like, I don't really want to walk by myself. Like, I'm really scared. And Joey's like, come home with me. Look, we'll tell my dad what happened. That, you know, your ride didn't show up and you're nervous and he'll take you home. Just walk the rest of the way with me. And Shauna, being just the sweet 11-year-old soul that she was, was like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to bother your dad. Like, I'll just, I'm just going to suck it up and I'm just going to walk home. It's not that far. So the girls split up and each walked towards their house. After that, Lucy's like, it's time to call the police. They had done the best that they could do to find her themselves and they needed help. While the police are at Shauna's house, one of the officers gets a call over the radio. And it says that someone had reported a kidnapping of a child earlier that evening. The person who reported it, later we found out his name is Dan. He saw the kidnapping actually happen with his own two eyes. Holy shit. Yes. When the report was first filed, police didn't really know what to do with it. Because at that point, no one had reported any missing children in the area until Lucy called. When Dan told the police what happened, he said at 8.06, he was walking down the street and he saw a little girl dressed in a gymnastics leotard that was black and turquoise walking down the sidewalk. So police know immediately that's the last thing that Shauna was wearing. Dan says that he sees a man who's tall and thin, smoking a cigarette, walking on the opposite side of the street from Shauna. When the man sees Shauna, he crosses the street and goes to talk to her. He then picks up the kid, who, again, at this point, police are thinking, okay, it has to be Shauna, but this man didn't know anything. So he says he picks up the the little girl and disappears around the corner. And then as he disappears, Dan heard a scream. So he's like, what the fuck? Does the best he can do to catch him? He's running. He's trying to catch him. And then this red car speeds off. So he's like, she's in the car. And it's, you know, not super late, people, but people are in their houses and stuff. So he's like banging on houses, being like, call the police, call the police. I just saw an abduction because no, no, no cell phones. It's 1992. At this point, the police are like, okay, well, that's Shauna. It has to be. It's her, you know, there's no other missing person report. She's wearing the leotard. It's, it matches everything, the timeline, everything. So they put Oil City, said it correctly, on lockdown. Every road in and out has roadblocks. The police are doing grid searches and they report her disappearance to neighboring cities and counties. I mean, as far as 100 miles, because at this point we don't have an Amber Alert system. Police canvass the area, knocking on doors, seeing what or who people saw. And while they were doing that, they had Lucy stay home just in case there was a ransom call. So she had to stay home when everyone else looked for her baby girl. I imagine she felt so helpless. But her family stepped up. Shauna's uncle is actually who organized some of the largest searches for Shauna. At this point, police are so scared because Halloween is just days away. And they know that there's an abductor on the loose. And kids are going to be running around in costume. It's going to be chaos. Some of them are going to be alone without their parents because, again, you know, all right, this is your first Halloween. Go on by yourself. You can trick-or-treat just around the neighborhood. Seems safe. It's a small town. And so police are like, we cannot risk another abduction. And they shut down Halloween to protect the kids from this abductor that's on the loose. Two days after Shauna went missing, 
one of the search crews was looking under this bridge area when they thought they saw something. It was a black and turquoise leotard. They are looking fucking everywhere around that area where the leotard was found, but they come up empty-handed. They send the leotard to the forensic lab just to see if there's anything on it. They knew that the leotard had been there for at least overnight because it was damp like from the morning dew, but they had also searched that area like the day before, so it it ended up there somehow after they searched. So they knew that it hadn't been there that long. That is so frustrating. Like, it's like you search an area and you're like, okay, check, that's searched. Oh, nope, got to go check it again because now there's something. Yeah, oh my gosh. Unfortunately and fortunately, they found semen on the leotard. So, unfortunately, that indicates that she was raped. But fortunately for the investigation, they were able to get a full DNA sample. So, if they can find the guy, they can prove it with DNA. On the 30th, there was a guy out camping who was walking around just exploring and he was on a bridge when he saw something and he looks and it's a body lying face down on the ground. But here's the thing. That body was 500 yards from where the leotard was found. Holy crap. Yeah. They had already searched that area. So just like what happened with the leotard, they searched an area and then came back, and then there was the evidence. It's like someone knows when they've searched it. Right. When police get there, they see that it is, in fact, Shauna's body. Bless it. And she was dressed interestingly. Obviously, she wasn't wearing her leotard because they had already found that the day before. Well, I didn't think she was going to be dressed at all then. Yes. She had on shorts some socks that weren't hers, and her shirt was inside out and backwards. The bridge that was over where her body was had her shoes placed perfectly, like side by side, but like facing opposite directions, like so they lined up perfectly. And there was a candy wrapper beside her shoes. Oh my gosh. Police felt like the way her shoes and the candy wrapper were positioned, that it was her killer taunting the police. Yeah. Like, hey, you searched this area twice. The area where her body was found had been searched twice. Once by police and their grid searching, and then once by the search that Shauna's uncle had organized. Wow. And they found nothing. Did it say what candy it was? No, of course that's what you ask. Well, I... Inquiring minds. It was not Reese's Pumpkins. The autopsy comes back and they put the cause of death as a fall. And it was horrible. She had a big footprint on her fucking face. What? Yes. And the fall that killed her was off of a 33-foot bridge. And she felt, aka thrown, off the bridge onto just this rock bed underneath. Oh my gosh. Well, kicked, huh? Kicked off the bridge? No, I think what it was, the shoe print on her face, I don't know if it was pre or post-mortem, but what I think happened is if it was pre-mortem, it was them either subduing her or something. She was trying to get away. I don't know. And they were holding her down with their foot on her face. Mm. The other thing that it could have been is that 
okay, this is really rough, y'all. It, and it's a kid, so I know that this part's going to be rough. But after she was thrown off the bridge, she lived for 30 minutes before she succumbed to her injuries. 30 minutes? So is it possible that they realized that she lived and went down there and stomped her face? I don't know. I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. Literally, that is all. That is purely conjecture about the footprint on her face because I I don't know. Oh my gosh. The autopsy found multiple places on her body with DNA samples, again, from her sexual assault. And it was the same DNA sample that was on her leotard. Here's the thing. The autopsy didn't show any indicators of how she was held. She had no ligature marks. And so it's like, how did they keep her from running? Because it had been... A couple of days. Like, it wasn't like they took her and then killed her within the first 10 minutes. Like, she she had been held for a little while. How long, I don't know. But it wasn't one of those abduct, kill type things. That's why I think the first, maybe because to that stomping after she fell just breaks my heart even more. But maybe they were trying to subdue her because they put clothes on her and stuff. So, I feel like they were trying to keep her. Yeah. You know, and so. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? And so maybe that did happen. Like you said, they were trying to subdue her or whatever. And then they were like, oh, shit, we we killed her. And then, like, let's just do it. And it was like, oh, shit, she, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. But, or, you whew. know, it was like, you know, when they got her, they raped her. And then was like, okay, fuck, we got to get rid of this leotard. True. So he threw the leotard out and then took her home and was like, okay, let's put these clothes on her. But I'm not finished with her. So maybe raped her some more, and then I don't know. But I don't why know. would they put clothes on her then? I don't know. But again, all that's purely conjecture. We we don't actually know. But what we do know is that at this point, police have no leads other than the DNA sample, and so they're looking at everyone in Shauna's life because it's again not uncommon, as awful as it is, that these types of cases do sometimes involve a male that the victim knows. So the whole family gives DNA samples. The stepfather, the biological father, even her brother, they all give DNA samples and they all come back negative. Well, a lot of people thought that her uncle did it because he was so involved in the searches. I mean, he was the one that took the lead and led, I mean, huge search parties. But the thing is, is that he kind of had to because the police made her mom stay home and wait for this call that never happened. So somebody had to lead the searches and help police. People also found it interesting that his team is who found the leotard. And that was after the area had been searched. His team searched the area where her body was found. And then it was found later, you know. And Mm. so they were like, oh, this is interesting. Like you said, somebody, it's almost like somebody knows where the searches had been. Yeah. But... The police got a DNA sample from him. He was so cooperative, gave a DNA sample, and it proved that it wasn't him. But he had it so rough. People just refused to believe that it wasn't him, even though police were like, no, 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 it was not him. Police even checked the DNA of some of the boys in her school. All of the girls that were in her Girl Scout troop, they took DNA from those girls' fathers and brothers and found nothing. At this point, the local police is like, we fucking need help. And they brought in the FBI. 
they knew it had to be someone local. There was no way that it could be someone who was traveling through that could have picked her up and gotten out of the area that quickly without knowing it. So the FBI develop a profile, and again, they say it's someone who's local, a 20-something-year-old white man who would have had a huge shift in behavior after the abduction. So started drinking, up and ended a relationship, quit a job, quickly moved out of town, you know, those types of things. So police released that profile and leads poured in. Everybody that anyone could think of that that profile could possibly be, they called and told police. Well, there was one guy that a lot of people called the police about. He lived just a couple of houses down from where Shauna disappeared. But when the police went to talk to him, he was gone. Just up and left town right after her body was found. And the police could not find him. I'm just going to say this now, but it was it happens way later. I think they ended up finding him in Florida or somewhere in jail. So it wasn't him, but it was somebody that they were like, wait, he fits the profile and he left town. Hmm. But it was purely coincidence. Then police heard about a guy named Ted Walker. He matched the description of the person that was seen abducting Shauna, and he had a red car. He was tall, skinny, a smoker. He worked at this local pizza place where Shauna and her friends went a lot. And the thing is, he creeped the girls out because he would always try to hug them. And everyone, including the kids and their parents, just felt like it was weird, right? He told police, that red car doesn't freaking run. And then his DNA wasn't a match. What the hell? So it's like, exactly. What the fucking hell? So then they bring in the big guns. They bring in Robert Ressler. You know, the guy that Mind Hunter's old Bill Tinch is based on, Robert Ressler? Yeah, that guy. Oh. Like coined all the serial killer things? That guy. And he says, This is two people, not just one. How could they have kept her from running with no ligature marks without it being two people? And so police were like, Okay, two people. Well, there are these two brothers in Oil City that everybody hates. Timothy and James O'Brien. Like, picture O'Doyle rules Oh my brothers. God, I totally said that in my head. Like, everybody hates them. They're fucking obnoxious. They have long rap sheets, including sexual assaults on adults and kids. Like, they're just fucking icky-ass fucking pieces of shit losers. I'm going to tell you how I really feel about them. All right, so... Most recently, James O'Brien had been charged in an attempted kidnapping of a woman who fucking fought like hell, and he couldn't get her into his trunk. And so what he did, this piece of shit, banged her head on the concrete. But instead of it just subduing her, it knocked her out. Then his dumbass couldn't get her in the trunk, thank God, but he couldn't. So he panicked because he was like, oh my God, this is taking too long. Somebody's going to see me and just left her there. When she came to, she was able to tell police everything. And she was able to say, no, I, I can tell you who he is. And she ID'd him. And so the police are like, bruh, like this gotta be him. Like this gotta be him, right? Well, oh my gosh. The abductor's tall and thin. And James and Tim were extra large pizzas. 
and they didn't have a red car. So they realized, fuck, another piece of the puzzle. Both of the brothers were in jail at the time of the abduction. So it couldn't have been them. Wow. So now we're five years after Shauna was murdered, and the police are no closer to finding out who actually did it. Then unfortunately, there was a four-year-old little girl named Sheenie Freeman, and she lived in the projects and was outside playing in like this kind of community area in between all the, what I picture as apartments, but it could be, you know, project houses. She was outside playing with her friends when this man comes up dressed in all black and takes her. And she's four years old? Yes. Oh and he gosh. takes her in front of her friends. And he takes her into the woods, and that's where police found her body. No. Her body was dumped off of an embankment in this wooded area. So kind of similar. Yeah. Before they found her body, though, just like with Shauna, they did this huge search party before police ended up finding her body down that embankment. Eventually, a guy by the name of Nicholas Bowen, who is a piece of fucking shit, confessed to abducting and killing Sheenie. You know what? This piece of shit was part of the search party and even had conversations with her parents about, I hope y'all find her. We're all out here looking fucking bullshit. That's like psychopath kind of, oh my, oh. But but it's not uncommon for them to like insert themselves into the investigation. But it's also like, how do you as a parent, when you're looking for your child, I mean, if you know that even a little bit, like every single person that came up to me and be like, why are they talking to me? I don't know that person. Who's that person? Like, I'd be keeping mental note because I wouldn't believe yeah. anybody. Yeah. Or would you even think about that because your fucking child just went missing? You know? So police are thinking, okay, this is similar. Did this Nicholas Bowen kidnap and kill Shauna five years earlier? Well, here's the thing. When Nicholas killed Sheeny, he was 17 years old. So he would have been 12 when he would have killed Shauna if he did it. So he'd have been super fucking young. Yeah. So they took his DNA, and it wasn't a match. God, I was about to be like, this is a Lifetime movie because it was his dad. Like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, because you put us on a roller coaster so far. <laughs> so literally, I was like, it's going to be his. Wait, what? You know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> the thing is, too, she was abducted and killed right around Halloween, too. So at this point, the town had essentially canceled Halloween. The kids were allowed only a few hours in the afternoons, broad daylight, to trick-or-treat. Never after dark. There were all of these rules about what they were allowed to do in that town. So a lot of kids either wouldn't go trick-or-treating at all, or they would end up having to go to a neighboring town, because when they were allowed to trick-or-treat in their town... Most people would have been at work, so it was pointless. There was nowhere to go because everybody, again, was at work. At this point, there's still nothing. Police have no clues. They have nowhere to go, and they, they know nothing. But anytime a man in that town gets arrested for some sort of violent crime or anything, they'll just go, by the by, while you're here, do you know anything about that Shauna Howell murder? Just to see if they could find anything. Well, remember the wannabe O'Doyles? The O'Briens? Mm-hmm. Well, Timothy, Tim, whatever. 
He goes by both. He calls me at home and tells me. (laughs) He's brought in for a different charge. And while he's there, they do what they've been doing to everybody. Oh, by the by, you know anything about Shauna? And when they say it, his whole demeanor changes. And they're like, hmm, can you give us a DNA sample? And he's like, okay, cool, but let me just, let me ask my attorney first. Which is not unheard of. You know, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. You know, I would do the same thing. I wonder why they don't have his DNA on file. Well, because I don't think at this point people who are convicted of violent crimes just automatically get their DNA taken. Oh, okay. And I think, honestly, that's more on the federal level. I don't know about, I'm sure it's a state-by-state rule, too. Yeah. Rule, law, whatever. Yeah. Well, and but you said he was charged with a sexual assault mm-hmm. of adults and stuff, too. Yeah. He ends up giving him a DNA sample, and it came back negative. So the detective that's not letting this case go, thankfully, but he's not. He's dogged with it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, something's just not sitting right. Like, like mm, they just fucking fit. Like, something's not sitting right. So he goes back to the files, and he combs over them. He reads the interviews. He's doing all the digging. And then he's like, wait, what? No one double-checked anything. They weren't really in jail. Turns out, neither one of them were in jail. They were out on bail. Oh, my God. So they ran James's DNA against the DNA found on Shauna, and it was a match. Oh, my gosh. Then a jailhouse informant said that when he was in jail with Tim, when it was during 9-11, so it was on a lock, like it was a lockdown in the jail. Tim spilled the beans and said that he killed Shauna. So now the police have something to go on. But the person who was seen abducting her was a thin male. Again, James and Tim are extra large pizzas. So could there be a third person? The detectives keep searching the documents and they find out that the brothers were living with Ted Walker. Remember him? Yes. The weird guy that worked at the pizza place? Yes. The 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 weird guy that worked at the pizza place that hugged the girls and had a red car? Yes. Mm-hmm. Remember how he told the police that the car didn't run? They didn't check. They never fucking checked. So the police bring Ted in for questioning, and he starts singing like a canary. He said that, yes, the O'Brien brothers were living with him and his son, and one day they got to talking about how they felt like the Oil City police were incompetent and they were stupid and that they could pull a prank on them and commit a crime and the police would never ever even figure out who it is so they said you know what we should do dumb don't listen to them they said we should we should kidnap a kid in front of somebody so that they can report it keep them for like 15 minutes and then go put them back and watch the police scramble and and see what they do because they're gonna be they're dumb as shit they ain't gonna catch us I wonder what they do on Friday nights, because, good Lord. Right. I'm not really sure why this next thing happened, but after they got Ted's story, the police let him go. I know. I don't know why. I don't know if it's that they didn't have anything to hold him on, because he didn't really say he did anything. I don't know. He lied to him about his car. I mean, can they get, can you get in trouble for that? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say hindering the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, but they let him go. The next morning, the fire department calls and is like, um, 
hey guys, uh, Ted's burning a mattress in his backyard. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. The next day, police get a search warrant and they search Ted's house. Well, at this point, news crews are all over the place when they're searching the house because this is a huge story. I mean, everyone knows about Shauna's murder. Well, Dan, remember him? He's the one that saw the abduction happen. He's at home watching the news, and he's like, that's him. That guy that's standing outside of that house, that it's his house, that is him. Wow. Wow. So he calls police and is like, this this is him. To police, bring Ted back in, and his story kept fucking changing. But essentially, the story was... Ted was at the store when he saw the brothers drive by in his red car. So he followed them and was like, the hell, what are y'all doing? And they're like, well, we want to do the plan tonight. We don't want to wait because they were going to wait until Halloween to do it. Mm. They're like, no, 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 no. We want to do it tonight. We don't feel like waiting. So they see Shauna, poor Shauna, completely innocent, walking down the street, just trying to get home. And... Ted knows that she's going to recognize him from the pizza place. So he walks up to her to chat, to get her comfortable. Fuck him. Asks her for a hug. And when she gives him one, he grabs her up and runs her to the red car where the brothers are. And they, I mean, they're ready. Like, they've already got the seats moved so they can shove her in the back seat. So he hands her off to the brothers. And he goes back home. And then the brothers follow him because, you know, they're living there and they go back home too. When they all get home, Ted says that he goes in to cook his son dinner and the brothers take Shauna upstairs. And what happens upstairs, he says, I don't know. Okay, sure. But he did say when he was cooking dinner for his kid, he hears Shauna scream. And he's like, "Mm, wait, what's going on? This isn't part of the plan. You're not supposed to, why is she screaming? Like, you're not supposed to hurt her. Right. And so he says that when he goes upstairs to confront the brothers, they're like, leave us the fuck alone or your son's next. (gasps) And so he's like, retreat, retreat. And he and his son leave the house. So he has no idea what happens after that. What the fuck? I know. At this point, police are trying to figure out how to make a trial work. They've got Ted, but his story keeps fucking changing. They've got this jailhouse informant who turns out it was all bullshit. Oh, my gosh. So they can't use him. They've got DNA of James, but not of Timothy. So it's like, well, but you can't convict someone on DNA alone. So it's like, how do we convict them both, especially Tim, so we don't even have DNA connecting him? Um, Question, though, because I'm DNA ignorant. Why wouldn't it show up like a familiar, familiar, familial match? Well, it depends. I mean, it's 1992, so I don't know if they couldn't do that type of matching. I don't know. I think it also depends on what is it, the alleles, alleles or whatever, how many they're matching, like whether it's five, nine, 12, whatever. Okay. So that's why even at the beginning, sometimes people can be convicted with false DNA evidence Mm. because if you've got 21 alleles, um, again, I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but let's just say you got 21 and they're only using five to match. Well, we could have the same sequence. Of, I mean, it's, it's rare, but we could have the same sequence of the first five and then the rest not, you know? Yeah. That's me dumbsplaining DNA. <laughs> well, again, I have no idea. So, but that's what's going in my mind. Like, wait. Why couldn't you have gotten a familial match? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, 
when you said it matched him, I'm like, but how did it not match his brother at all? Like, yeah, you know. While police are trying to figure out how the fuck to make this happen, Tim gets convicted of sexual assault on a six-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy. I fucking hate them. After he was convicted of this, he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder and was classified as a sexually violent offender. Uh, duh. In 2004, 12 years after Shauna's murder, both of the brothers and Ted were arrested in connection with her murder. Ted cut a deal initially for a third-degree murder charge in exchange for testifying against the brothers. Well, at trial, Ted changed his story again. Oh, my gosh. This time, he said that he didn't see the brothers bring Shauna in, so it fucked up the prosecutors, like, trying to prove that they were together. Yeah. But long story short, I'm not going to go into the whole trial, but long story short... Both of the brothers were convicted. Ted tried to recant his confession so that he thought that he could get a lesser sentence. But in 2006, all of them were convicted and given consecutive sentencing for kidnapping and rape just to make sure they will never get out. Good. Society is better without them. Because obviously they don't learn their lesson mm -hmm. because they have such a long rap sheet of the same fucking Shit. Yes. Well, this little town that the murder of Shauna Howe essentially canceled Halloween. In August of 2008, this sweet little girl who lived on the same street as Shauna, but wasn't alive when Shauna was killed, petitioned the city council and actually won and got normal trick-or-treating hours back for the town. Oh. God. Wow. And that's the story of the murder that closed Halloween for a whole city. Such a roller coaster, right? Yes. Holy shit. There's a show on Netflix called Cold Case Files. And season one, episode one, is called The Little Girl Lost. And that episode is about Shauna's murder. But when I went on Netflix, Donna had seen this episode on there. Didn't watch it because she wanted me to do the story. But when I went back to look for it, it was gone. Cold Case Files show was still there, but not that episode. But there's a lot of stuff on YouTube about her case that I just couldn't do it all. So there's a ton more out there if you want some more details. It just breaks my heart for Shauna's family because you know her mom. The guilt. I cannot even imagine. But there's, I mean, there's nothing. She, you know. No. There's no, and there's no point in being mean and blaming her. And I mean, oh, it just breaks my heart. No, it's a simple mistake. Oh, like, oh the, my gosh. Really? And the only place to go from here is to say, have a safe Halloween. And look, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a true crime fan and you know all the things. Know where your kids are. Keep an eye on them. Check their candy. <laughs> <laughs> all the things just protect your family and remember creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared, scared. Mm, or maybe just a little happy halloween